When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Waiting for Next Year's Cavs Cast. As always, we are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. It is Thursday, February 16th, and we've finally hit All-Star Weekend. Tonight, I'm going to take stock of the Cavs, 61 games into the season. want to look ahead at the remainder of the schedule and discuss some of the things that I don't like about the reported Kevin Love buyout. But first, a word from our sponsor. We've got a great deal with Underdog Fantasy. For first-time depositors, enter in the code WFNY at checkout, and Underdog will match your deposit up to $100. Underdog is a great platform if you're tired of the DFS salary system. There are tons of game types and drafts every night of the week for every single sport. Don't forget, use WFNY at checkout to get your first-time deposit matched up to $100. So it's Thursday night. Hopefully most of the Cavaliers players are jetting out to the Bahamas, Turks and Caicos, Mexico, wherever the boys are going. Um, They deserve it. They've played more games than any other team in the league. Cavs currently sit at 38 and 23. Have played 61 games, uh, which is, again, the most in the entire league. Uh, I believe the New York Knicks are, are second. So what I want to do tonight is really start off with just, you know, taking stock of the team, where they're at from a statistical standpoint, you know, some things that I like about the roster, um, some concerns I have about the roster as they go into the final stretch here before the playoffs. I want to look at the remaining schedule that they have, and then I want to finish talking about Kevin Love. Um, Obviously, that's just the huge news that hit us, uh, was it last night around 2 a.m., um, so I haven't had a chance to to write about it or, or really get on here and talk about it yet. So I definitely have some thoughts I want to share uh, about our boy, Kevin Love, number zero. But first, to take stock of the team. The Cavs sit in the top 10 in both offensive rating and defensive rating. Offensive rating is 115. They're in 10th. Defensive rating, they have the number one defensive rating, 109.3. They have the second best net rating only behind the Boston Celtics. Net rating is 5.8. They currently have the slowest pace in the entire league, 96 possessions per game. For reference, Golden State leads the league at 103 possessions per game. And I'm frankly a little surprised that number hasn't jumped up with Ricky Rubio back on the team. (laughs) When Ricky's out on the court, uh, a lot of of things happen. There's a lot more motion going on. So I I thought we might see the Cavaliers slip into 29th, but nope, they're, (laughs) they're still in in dead last in possessions per game. But, you know, as we know that that really plays to their strengths, Um, they want to limit the amount of possession so they can get that defense set up. And when you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen set up in the paint, roaming around contesting shots, 
switching on guys that really gives the Cavs their best shot at winning. So I think the, you know, the slowest pace is something that uh, while it won't surprise any of us Cavs fans that have been watching, I think it's ultimately a really good sign, um, you know, for the playoffs. So two of those stats, you know, I think are, you know, end up really um, providing a potential runway for what this Cavs team could look like in the playoffs, you know, slow pace, that's just the way things go in the playoffs. There, there's not a bunch of points in transition. Everyone's really busting their ass. And, and you know, the slower the pace, um, you know, typically is what happens during the playoffs. And, and then the second is net rating, right? I mean, that that's always a statistic that, you know, champions, um, past champions, I should say, um, they're always in the top 10 in, in both offensive and defensive rating. It's just been a, a historical fact of, of teams that have done really well. You know, they're, they're up in that that top five, top six of net rating. And with the Cavs being at number two, you know, those are just two metrics that pop out to me that, you know, when you take stock and look at this team, 61 games through the season, you know, number two net rating and doing it at the slowest pace in the league is just something that I think is really encouraging um, as this team, you know, plays the, the last uh, 21 games and, and heads into the playoffs. So moving off the metrics a little bit, I'm going to switch from some of the analytics to really just kind of the the eyeball test and, and some things that I like and, and maybe some things I don't like so much about the roster. Um, so since the Cavs have you know transitioned to their their now starting lineup of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro, Mobley, and Allen, um, those guys have have played 514 possessions together. That's per cleaning the glass. That five has a net rating of plus seven point three, which is fantastic. Uh, it's it's a great net rating. If you know, if that's where they're at, you know, with the backup they have of Ricky and, and Karras and team leading the leading the second group, that, that's a that's a heck of a uh, heck of a way to get out on a lead and, and really suffocate teams. And that's exactly what they've done, you know, on this latest seventh game winning streak before they lost in Philadelphia last night. Um, you know, they've really beaten teams up with their starters and then the, uh, the bench guys have come in and, and kind of held their own, you know, the one thing that, that still troubles me even after the acquisition of, of Danny green is the shooting. So Coros had a, had a really good stretch there and, you know, end of January, early February, um, his volume has ticked down a, a decent amount that, that may be, a uh, you know, because the, a couple of guys have come back but a coral hasn't made more than one, three in the last five games, all single digit games from then. Um, Dean Wade has had some spotty inconsistent minutes. He had only nine minutes against Philadelphia last night. Um, Chetty and, and Ricky Rubio were obviously out last night. Um, but you know, they're, they're really running out of, of shooting options. And I think Karras is, is certainly not the kind of guy you want to bank on for corner threes in the playoffs. Isaac Okoro, you know, hasn't been there yet. Um, outside of, of Darius and Donovan, you know, I just question how teams are going to defend the Cavaliers in the playoffs. Uh, we saw Philadelphia last night on a game that they were very much up for. You know, they essentially left Isaac and, and Mobley out on the corner threes and let those guys jack up shots. And it hurt, you know, it hurts the spacing for, for the all-star backcourt the Cavs have. And uh, it's just one of those things. I, I think they're going to continue to to be defended that way when, when uh, you know, big games come up and, and into the playoffs. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the Cavaliers counter. You know, they they don't have a bunch of guys off the bench that, that can space the floor. And, you know, that's certainly something that I was hoping would be addressed at the trade deadline. 
um, knowing that there's limited flexibility to add guys with real dollars on in the future, um, given that they have so much invested in their core four. Um, you know, I think they're going to have to make do with what they have this year. Maybe the acquisition of Danny Green can, you know, can provide them some type of spacing um, where it's needed. So next up, I want to talk about the remaining schedule. So I've heard this talk about quite a bit, you know, on Twitter and on various podcasts, but I, I think it's noteworthy. So the Cavs are, are now two games behind Philadelphia in the East. Um, they're, they're pretty much locked into that four seed. Um, they're, they're a good bit ahead of the the Brooklyn Nets in the five seed, Miami uh, in the six seed. Uh, so if you look ahead, Cavs, again, having played the most games in the NBA so far this season, they only have 21 games left. Statistically, they have the fourth easiest schedule re remaining. Uh, their opponent win percentage is just 48%. Uh, and some of their quote-unquote tough games uh, in there, um, you know, they have a couple games against Brooklyn, which certainly, you know, losing Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie, uh, maybe those games aren't so difficult. So it could potentially be an even easier schedule than what's listed there um, with fourth easiest remaining. Uh, they play the Charlotte Hornets three times, Orlando Magic two times, so you know, five of their remaining 21 games are against teams that you'd expect to, to get a win regardless of, of home or away. As you look at the schedule and you look at more opportunities for this Cavs team to get some quote-unquote playoff reps, uh, they do have a, a really good test. Uh, if you look at the schedule in early March, bringing up my calendar here now, um, they have a, a stretch of about a, a week and a half where they play the Miami Heat twice and they play the Boston Celtics twice. Um, and I think, you know, based off of the game last night in Philly, you know, the Cavs need more of these games where it feels like the playoffs. I know nothing is like the real thing, but if you look at, you know, March 1st, they're at Boston, March 4th, home versus Detroit, March 6th on Monday, home against Boston, March 8th, Wednesday at Miami, March 10th, Friday, again, at Miami in a way, in a way. So again, you know, in a span of nine days, you're getting, uh, you're getting two Eastern conference foes that you, you very well could see in the playoffs, whether it's in the first round of Miami heat or potentially a second round with the, the Boston Celtics. So, you know, after last night's game, I, I saw there's certainly some outrage about uh, the start of the game. Cavaliers had an incredible comeback. I personally have a hard time with those games, not really having a great pulse on how much of the comeback was Philly kind of taking their foot off the gas after they dominated the Cavs up by as much as I believe 28 or 29, or how much was it the Cavs really responding and taking it back to them. Um, but last night, you know, showed me after a seven game win streak, you know, this team still has opportunities and they still need to go into those hostile environments at Miami Wednesday, uh, March 1st, in Miami, March 8th, and March 10th. They need to go into those situations. They need to feel the crowd. They need to know it's a big game and, and play against some of the some of the bigger competition in the East because that's exactly what's coming to them um, you know, after the next 21 games. The only other piece I want to talk about in terms of strength of schedule is um, you know, the, the team ahead of them right now, Philadelphia. Um, they have an extremely hard uh, schedule the rest of the way as I look them up on my computer here. Uh, looks like Philadelphia has the you know the most difficult strength of schedule moving forward. Um, they have a just a brutal stretch in uh, in early March here. 
Uh, and so I think that's that's one thing where obviously last night's game hurts hurts a bit. Um, but that, there's an opportunity still if the Cavs can reel off some wins, you know, have a couple more winning streaks. There's a chance that they can really challenge Philly for the number three seed. And you know, I, I think that's important when you look at who's uh, who's kind of floating around the East right now. Um, certainly, if if you can avoid a first round matchup with the Miami Heat with Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and the other veterans that they have on that team. Um, you know, I'm I'm all about the easier the path, the better. I, I don't care how you get there. Uh, a lot of things happen in the playoffs. Guys get hurt, banged up, injured, technicals that extend multiple playoff games. Just get in and find the easiest path. Um, once you get into the playoffs, I'm not really about learning lessons at that point. Just get in and uh, you do whatever you can to, to win, a win a game and win a series. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the last topic tonight I want to hit on in this one, this one got a lot of feedback, um, media outlets on Twitter. And this one's tough, I think, for a lot of Cavs fans. It's been reported by Shams and Jason Lloyd, the athletic, uh, that Kevin Love is discussing with the Cavaliers about a potential buyout. So my assumption is that this has been simmering, right? Since Kevin Love has, has been really removed from the rotation, um, he thinks he can still play, uh, which was, you know, reported in the, the athletic article. Um, you know, Kevin's had such an interesting last two seasons. If you think about how important Kevin Love was to last year's team, uh, he was second in sixth man of the year. Uh, he was, you know, outside of Laurie Markkinen, he was really the Cavs' best uh, big man uh, in terms of shooting. He provided them just an in intense amount of, of playmaking and initiating when, when guys were out like Ricky Rubio. And he even started off this season fairly well. Um, but month after month, you know, it's just been really tough sledding for Kevin. After the, the thumb injury that he had, he's just never gotten – uh, his shot back, but more than just his shot, you know, it's, it's just a tough watch at this time uh, on defense. So some of those, some of those, you know, charges that he was able to draw early in the year, the, the reps seem to not be, you know, buying into those too much. Um, it seems like you constantly see him flailing his arms around, pointing at guys to help cover for him, which is great. You know, that's, that's what you do in, in NBA. Um, but it's just every single possession, you know, he would, he would get picked on in that second unit, uh, until JP just simply couldn't play him anymore. And as Dean Wade got back and healthy, it was, uh, that was the move that they ended up making. So, you know, all that to say it's, it's been a, a topsy turvy last two seasons for Kevin. Um, when I think back at a couple memories of Kevin love, I immediately think of, uh, you know, WWE championship belt around his shoulder uh, in 2016. I think about his incredible 30-point performance against the Blazers in 2016. I believe that was that was near a record at the time. I think only 
37 points in a quarter is the record by Clay Thompson. So almost breaking a, you know, a historic NBA record there. Uh, the stop obviously on Steph Curry Cavs up three in game seven, 33 seconds to go. Um, you know, so many memories, some of them good, some of them not so good, right? I mean, we saw uh, Kevin pout uh, multiple times throughout the rebuild. Um, I don't think any other team in the NBA was giving Kevin Love a max contract in 2018 after LeBron James left, but the Cavaliers did. Uh, Kevin earned over $200 million as a Cavalier. So, you know, when I think about, you know, what what he's done for the team, uh, he, he's provided some great memories, been a part of the, the championship, uh, was a huge part in game seven and had a great net rating in that game. And, um, you know, I appreciate those, but I, I think it's also interesting to look back at, you know, some of the some of the rocky times that the Kevin Love had with the team, too. And what I wanted to really talk about with this buyout, there's a couple of things I, I really don't love. And obviously I'm not privy to the direct conversations that, that JB may have had with Kevin Love uh, about how far away he may have been in terms of getting back into the rotation. Um, but in the athletic article uh, that, that Jason uh, Lloyd put out, you know, it was reported that Miami is a potential suitor for Kevin Love. And, and that's very well a team that the Cavaliers could play in the first round uh, of the Eastern Conference of, of the East playoffs. Uh, Boston is another team who could be interested. They're always looking for uh, for big men that can shoot. Uh, of course, you know, going to Los Angeles, going back home for him, and, and teaming up with LeBron James is another uh, choice that you know that could come up for him. Uh, but but really, if you know, if he goes somewhere in the East, if he goes to the Heat, if he goes to the Celtics, um, you know, there's always a chance that he can take a heck of a lot of insight, you know, to that team, and and that's one reason that kind of you know, makes me question, is it the right move to buy Kevin Love out, right? You've given him north of $200 million. Uh, you've given him every opportunity this season, you know, to play and, and the performance just wasn't there. Um, is the risk of him going to another team that you're going to see and, and him having all that intel, you know, specifically on this team, you know, is that a risk? And perhaps it makes more sense just to keep him on the books. You know, the second reason outside of just the competitive advantage that he could give to another team, second reason I don't I don't know if I really understand or like, you know, Kevin Love being bought out is just the lack of of big man depth that this team has right now. Right? I mean, if if Jared Allen or Evan Mobley go down, uh, are are we a Lamar Stevens, you know, injury away or or even just getting into your depth? I mean, are, are we ready to see Diakite or Isaiah Mobley in a playoff game. You know, I, I think Dean Wade has often been injured and, and I just think there's a big risk there. And um, it wouldn't hurt to have a guy that um, that has proven to be able to shoot the ball in his career that, you know, there's still a couple months until the playoffs. If that pinky can get better. Um, I, I just think there's, you know, you're, you're really giving up your depth and one of the guys who you counted on to shoot before the year. Um, giving him away for free, which is a, which is something tough that I, I would be hesitant to do at this time. And the, you know, the last thing that I question or that bugs me about a potential uh, negotiation with Kevin to get him bought out is, is really just, and I mentioned this at the top, the lack of flexibility that the Cavs have to bring on additional money. You know, the, the Cavs decided to hold on to expiring deals of Kevin Love and, and Karis LeVert 
at the trade deadline, right? There was roughly $47 million combined coming off the books between those two. But the problem is with, with the Cavs is, roster makeup and the way their money works is Darius Garland contract shoots way up. Donovan Mitchell makes more money. You know, the, the key guys are making money next year. So the Cavs don't have a lot of flexibility outside of their uh, mid-level exception to add players. And so, you know, if you are going to release Kevin Love, you know, would we have been better off um, as Cavs fans for the for the Cavs to go look at someone who they could take on for money and possibly the, if they were to trade Kevin at the deadline? You know, someone who has some quote unquote questionable or bad money, um, you know, on the books after this year, would would Charlotte have, have wanted to look into trading Gordon Hayward, who's been playing well as of late? Uh, Evan Fournier, again, I'm not saying these guys are world beaters and they're probably paid more than they should be, but the Cavs are so limited in their flexibility and for them to add guys moving forward because of the financial position they're put in that. You know, if you're simply just going to release Kevin at this point, negotiate a buyout, uh, you really are, are missing out on one of your last few opportunities. Unless, of course, unless you're going to make serious roster moves, um, which I don't think is going to happen at this point after the Donovan Mitchell trade and and after you've really built everything around the core four. So th- those are my my three reasons why I'm I'm a little questionable on buying Kevin out. Um, I love the guy. I love what he did for the city. I like the fact that he stuck with the team. I'm also realistic about, you know, some of the, some of the rough patches in 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, You know, I hope the best for him. Obviously I was hoping he would retire a Cav. It would just be such a great story. And and frankly, I I was hoping that he'd want to stick around here, you know, around this team that he's watched rebuild. Um, Would love to see him have been a a positive influence on these guys, not only this year, but next year too, if if you want to come back on, on some type of, you know, vet minimum contract. So it's, it's a bit unfortunate. I I probably in my feelings uh, when I say that I'm a little upset about it, but uh, you know, he's been here for, for a long time and to see really the last piece, um, you you know, of those fantastic Cavs runs, you know, walk out the door, uh, you know, will be tough. But nothing's official yet. You know, it's just reports. We'll continue to see, I'm sure, over the weekend. Um, that'll be a big emphasis for for Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman and crew is to, to figure out what a buyout would look like and, and if they go ahead and execute. So in closing, um, I wanted to make sure I could get on here, specifically talk about Kevin Love. Um, it's Thursday night, going to have an awesome all-star weekend. Our boy Donovan Mitchell is going to be out in Salt Lake City. Uh, it's going to be hard to, you know, outshine what, uh, what Cleveland did last year. Uh, just a fantastic, you know, 75th anniversary. Some of the best players to ever play in league history were in Cleveland last year. Uh, Garland Allen and Mobley just put up incredible performances, uh, you know, really all weekend. Um, so it's definitely not gonna, not gonna surpass last year's all-star game for me, but it will certainly be fun watching Donovan Mitchell do his thing uh, in his former home in Salt Lake City. Thank you all for listening. Have a great night. Have a great All-Star Weekend. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. 
The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 